Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. Here's my question for you today, Samantha, because I've decided I'm just going to start asking you random questions at the beginning of every episode. I love it. Let's go. Okay. Have you ever seen While You Were Sleeping? Oh, yeah. That used to be in my Christmas movie list for a long while yeah. because Sandra Bullock, <laughs> as beautiful as she is, that was her first movie that I saw her in. No, that's not true. Love Potion Number 9 was actually the first movie I saw her in. But in each one of these characters, she was the normal girl. Which, by the way, is not true if you look at it. But sure. but she was supposed to be the normal funny girl, and I loved that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I did. It's been a minute, but that was in my roster. Was that like... I'm trying to remember if I've seen it because uh, Disney Plus was pushing it very aggressively at me earlier. Really? Yeah, and I, I feel like, was there a coma involved? Yes. Well, that's the whole point of why you were sleeping. It's this okay. weird little tidbit of the dude falls in the train tracks where she works. So it's like a, uh-huh. a public transit. She works there. She's been crushing on this dude for a long while. It's, uh, oh my goodness, what is his name? It's eyebrows, dude. Michael Douglas? No, how dare you? <laughs> how, sorry. How, I will see myself out. <laughs> how dare you? I'm sorry that I don't know what eyebrows do. Oh, Peter Gallagher is his name. Oh, okay, and yes. As in fact, he's a new girl as okay. Schmidt's dad. And one of the first things she says to him is commenting about his eyebrows. Because he is oh, wow. an infamous guy with those eyebrows. But he... Mm. Falls into the tracks, goes into a coma. She saves his life inadvertently somehow. Miss, you know, all of the meet cute things and all the kerfuffle somehow gets mistaken as his fiance. Oh, yes. okay, <laughs> yes, and so that's how it all begins. Um, okay. Of course, Bill Pullman is there, and he's the actual main squeeze, love interest, love interest hero, yeah. I guess, of the movie. It's just the whole thing. Mm. But uh, the cast is fantastic. Peter Boyle okay. is in it, and you can't help but love Peter Boyle. Um, actually, an iconic uh, old movie star was in it, too, Glennis Johns, and she was the mother of Mary Poppins that I just really, really appreciated that she was in that movie. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, I know way too much about this movie. So, so why are I, you asking me? <laughs> I was not expecting this long of an answer, but I'm very happy about it. Well, because I was just confused about, like, Sleepless in Seattle and while you were sleeping. And I, I knew that you could clarify this for me uh, without me having to do the onerous task of Googling it. So I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I will put it in consideration because Disney Plus is pushing it at me right now. Oh, it's cheesy. I don't know how well it's aged, so I can't really put my endorsement behind it, but it is Mm. one that I grew up on and loved and adored. Okay. (laughs) And a Christmas movie, all right. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Well, it starts out as a Christmas movie. Okay. You're adding a lot of layers here. I know, so many layers. You are. Well, today we are talking about, uh, it is a feminist movie Friday. We are not talking about while you were sleeping (laughs) or sleepless in Seattle. We were just trying to, that was a MacGuffin. Um, We're talking about something much more recent, and it is a suggestion of Samantha's, the Netflix film, the new Netflix film, The Old Guard. So if you haven't seen it and don't want to be spoiled, now's your chance. Then you can come back and listen to this. Um, Really good. Still trending, I think. It is still trending. Uh, 
And you know yeah. what? And for those who uh, need just a mindless action movie, and warning, it does have violence and really gross scenes. That's how I'm going to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, it was worth it. And will most likely be put into my rotation for my comfort-ish quote films as something that I play that yeah. I'm like, I just want to kind of zone out. Yeah. So like, while you were sleeping, yeah. the old guard. <laughs> so while you're... While You Were Sleeping is now pulled out of my list because it's one of those, like, it's been so long that I've seen it that I'm scared that I'm going to be disappointed by it. Sure, yeah. Um, And with all of the realization and growth in my life, I'm like, I don't know (laughs) if I'm ready to be disappointed by this. (laughs) I totally understand. There are certain movies that I loved in high school that I am too afraid to rewatch because I'm almost certain they don't hold up. Yeah. Yeah, so While yeah. You Were Sleeping was on that list with, like, um, Love Actually and Don't Judge yeah. Me and Harry Potter as my Christmas movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mm-hmm. see you. Um, well, So this is not this... Christmas. We'll go on. <laughs> you know, anything can be a Christmas movie if you want it hard enough. Die Hard. Die Hard. Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Yes. Um, so, The Old Guard has been hailed as a summer blockbuster during COVID-19, uh, when that is sort of a rarity, if not almost non-existent right now. <laughs> um, according to Netflix, it broke records in terms of viewership up to 72 million within one month, um, which I do find funny because I catch myself... I feel like I've said this on several podcasts now, but I'm scraping the bottle of the barrel when it comes to horror movies at this point. Yeah. And I do think that anything new, anything new that comes out right now is like, (laughs) (laughs) what could it be? Um, (laughs) So there is the benefit of that. But um, it did, it attracted a lot of viewers and a lot of repeat viewers. And it is a superhero movie in a lot of ways, but in other ways it diverges. So it's, Kind of, as we talked about in our Star Wars episode about the whole summer blockbuster thing, it is doing that, but during a time of quarantine. Mm -hmm. Yes. And speaking of Star Wars, Mm -hmm. I just want to point out here, the top grossing movie for several months now in the U.S., I think since March until now, is The Empire Strikes Back. Oh. Yep. It's making like $450,000 to $500,000 a month. Uh, because they're playing old movies in theaters and doing the like, or drive-ins. Um, so right. my old, my favorite, still, still succeeding. And actually, speaking of drive-ins, I know they just re-released at drive-ins, uh, Mad Max, The Fury Road. Oh, yeah, so yeah. in you know, going along with our Charlize movies. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I just actually want to point that out as well. But yeah, actually, I was talking about Rogue One the other day because I realized I haven't seen that one yet, but there's been a debate back and forth about people talking about how much they love that movie and why yeah. it's getting such a bad rap. Because Holly was on Movie Crush oh, recently was she? about Rogue One. She chose Rogue One. Mm. Well, I don't know that that <laughs> precipitated the whole thing. <laughs> I, I just know that a lot of people have been contacting me about it yeah. because she was on. Okay, yeah. No, it was a whole different level. And I was like, hmm. I don't know if I've seen that one yet, which you and I have been 
on repeat, yeah. by the way, y'all. Yeah. I've been trying to get through yeah. these movies, but we go back I on know. repeat just so everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's we, been a while started, since I've seen you. So it's been a while we since We started Rogue One and we got 20 minutes in. Is that what happened? So, yes. Okay. And I, I thought remember, I had, it had been on, but I'm like, the last movie was really bad outside of the Han Solo yeah, movie. And I was like, prequels. it was really bad. <laughs> well, yeah. So we, we started, it was like four in the morning and we started Rogue One. And then we got 20 minutes in. We were like, we'll call this a day. But then you came in later. You came back. Oh. And I had watched it. I was like, wow, Darth Vader's at the end. I forgot how scary it is. <laughs> and I was like, it's nine in the morning. What are you doing? Yes. So we will. <laughs> that is next on our list. That is the is next it? one. Okay. But yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think it's coming back. Well, not coming back, but people are rewatching and reliving and loving re-living. what they forgot they yeah. really loved. Yeah. Right. But back to The Old Guard. Just go back. It is a Netflix original movie based on a comic book by the same name written by Leandro Fernandez and Greg Rucca, who served as the movie's screenwriter. It's directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, who also directed 2000's Love and Basketball, which was a really great movie, and stars my love and Charlize Theron as Andromica Desithia or Andy and she says it really fast and she does it as she knocks somebody out so I was like what's happening what's her name again who yeah and mm-hmm. then she goes or you can call me Andy I was like yeah there it is um, <laughs> and Kiki Lane as Niall Freeman who does a fantastic job and Prince Bythewood also broke a record becoming the first black female director to break into the list of Netflix top 10 most popular films of all time and she deserves all of that credit for sure yeah, and she did this, um, again, with the caveat, we're in COVID-19, but also, whatever, uh, she did this um, within four weeks as compared to, like, movies like The Irishman, who had a super long time to get on there. Um, so, pretty big deal. Right. So, let's get into the plot. Uh, the story revolves around a team of immortal mercenaries. Yes. After learning there is a new immortal, the team rushes to get to her before this billionaire chasing them in hopes of unlocking the key to their healing abilities and immortality does. This sort of happens in tandem where they learn about that and a betrayal and her and it kind of entwines together. Um, The comic which was published as, or planned to be published as a five-part miniseries, launched in 2017, and it began with The Old Guard, which you can find online for free and is very, very uh, worth reading and stunning illustrations. Um, A featured work by letterer Jody Wynn and colorist Daniela Miwa, and depicted flashbacks and these epic battles. It's touted as a, quote, fairy tale of blood and bullets. As in the movie, it centers around immortal soldiers and the largely violent events that make up their lives. Typically, their immortality is uncovered after they survive an event on the battlefield uh, that should have killed them. Usually, their soldiers died on the battlefield or should have and then did it. <laughs> um, once immortality is discovered, they join up with a group of others like them and spend the rest of time fighting for what they think is right. And uh, this... Others like them is typically like four or five. There are not many of them, in at least in the world that uh, we are shown. And uh, this what is right can differ, obviously, between characters. And most of them long for the day when their immortality will fade away. 
On top of this is the moral quandary of how much violence is used to do what's right. The leader of the group, Andy, uh, who she's been fighting for millennia. This is something she's really struggling with when we see her in, in the movie. Uh, when new member U.S. Marine Niles Freeman joins the team, it coincides with, yes, this pharmaceutical billionaire fixing his eye on them. He's determined to harness their healing abilities, their immortality. Uh, the Old Guard Book 1, Opening Fire, was followed by The Old Guard Book 2, Force Multiplied, in 2019. By the way, I did immediately after I watched the first time, I went and looked through all of the differences and all of the reviews, and it's pretty on par. And the changes, most of the critics think that it was actually a good change. So that's not too usual for comics that I've seen. Yeah. Um, so let's break down the characters a bit more, starting with Andy, my lady Charlize. I'm going to keep saying <laughs> that throughout. She's been around the longest, and according to the comics, her immortality began in Eurasia in 4700 BCE. She learned about her immortality in a tragic, brutal way after someone she viewed as a mother turned on her and threatened by Andy's strength and intelligence. And after that, she spent the next thousand years by herself and alone before she met two others like her, Lycon and Noriko, or Quinn. However, Lycon becomes the first and to the point of publishing only mortal to actually die in battle, and Noriko is lost to sea after being tossed off a ship, assuming she's drowning over and over again. And yes, yeah, so I just want to put it in here, I have read this fan fiction before, where some people were like, well, if Voldemort, why didn't you just put him in a dang coffin and weighed it down right. and put him in the bottom of the sea, and then Harry could have lived an old happy life as a horcrux. And never had to, like, sacrifice himself or die. And also, Supernatural, this was a plot point. They did have that as a plot point. Which, by yeah. the way, also, the scene in Old Guard with her drowning, it's pretty horrifying. I couldn't imagine actually yeah. filming that. That seems like a nightmare in itself. Just yeah. want to say that. Um, and she later returns as a villain in Force Multiplied, which we kind of see at the end of the movie. Spoiler. Yeah, post-credit scene. <laughs> and later fell in love with Achilles, who was a freed enslaved person who fought alongside the British in the Revolutionary War. They met while he was incarcerated in the West Indies, and they grew old together until Andy left, not wanting people to grow suspicious of her immortality. And she embodies the don't-get-close-to-anyone vibe except her small little crew. Yeah, yeah. And that's that comes up several times in the movie of, at some point, the people you love are going to realize you're not aging. Right. And they're probably not going to take it well. Right. And so, they, they do talk about that a lot with Niles and her want, wanting to get back with her family. They keep saying, you're not going to be able to do this. This is not viable. Yeah. yeah. And also with Booker. Yeah. And his whole plot line. Um, so, yeah, yeah. You do have, you have Niles Freeman, who is a U.S. Marine, who is immortal circa modern day Afghanistan. And her story kind of leads a lot of the plot line as in they're trying to find her and then... Uh, she sort of serves as the audience in a lot of ways where they're explaining, well, now you're this immortal and we have to go fight stuff together and you're part of our army. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait. Um, and yeah, she's very torn about the violence and implications of being an immortal um, and being with her family, wondering if she'd be better off if she settled down with her family, even if it was only for a few years before they realized, hey, she's not aging. I don't know. I feel like it could be more than a few years because uh, us brown people with the melanin, we don't age as fast. <laughs> I feel like. 
Just say I do. I do feel like in quarantine, I've added like 17 years. Right. I mean, you look um, at like people like Nia Long, Gabrielle Union, um, and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> These people <laughs> look like they're still 20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly because she was young enough. Yeah. She could have, I think she could have gotten like a decade at For least. sure. She would have gotten, I think, 20 years. So yeah, if you look at characters like Bianca Lawson, she's still playing teenagers in shows. Like she was just in Riverdale. No. Really? What was it? Is it Riverdale? No, she was in recent one. I can't remember. But she plays a high schooler still. And she was a high schooler in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series, as well as uh, Save the Last Dance. So people like that, you're like, Maybe they, maybe they're immortals. I've been thinking about oh. this. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you think some immortals walk among us? I think Bianca Lawson could be an immortal. <laughs> yeah, got Paul Rudd for sure. Yeah, Paul Rudd right up there. Like you start looking and you're like, this doesn't add a lot. Padma Lakshmi is right there too. I'm like, how do you look younger than me? This is hmm. amazing. But I will say, okay. I feel like I look younger than me. Younger than my age. <laughs> I feel like I look younger than me. I'm just Let's... saying, my age. So yes, younger than me. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay, well, maybe immortals walk among us. Uh, I'll pin that and think about it later. Um, but back to to this, other than Andy and Niall, uh, you have Nicolo and Yusuf, or Nikki and Joe. And their immortality began during the first crusade. And of the immortals, they are the only ones that don't regret immortality because their immortality resulted in giving them each other. They're the only ones that sort of, they have this person that they love that is also not going to die, um, also immortal. Uh, Yeah, and, and they did have a very violent beginnings. They killed each other many times. Um, but through that, they fell in love. You've you've heard it all before, I know. Uh, in fact, they were on opposite sides of the Crusades, and and they killed each other, and they kept repeating that, yeah, uh, and kept coming back to life, and then fell in love, and that's, I mean, that's just how it is. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Sebastian Leleuva slash Booker, and I love. Uh, Le Livre, Samantha, in case you don't know, is French for book. Oh, that makes sense. So that's why he's Booker. I laughed and laughed and laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He became immortal in 1812 Russia, and he was a soldier in Napoleon's army. And he died after he attempted to desert after he was freezing and starving. Uh, But he was caught and left hanging for three days before the army left his body. And he had... Uh, four sons who grew up to detest him as he aged and they didn't, and he didn't, and they thought, well, why can't you share the secret with us? And uh, obviously he couldn't. So there was a lot of uh, bitterness there. Right. So next we've got James Copley, not an immortal, but uh, he's actually former CIA, according to the movie, who uh, is helping the main big bad after losing his wife to cancer. And they did, uh, he is one of those that changed from the comic to the movie. They kind of changed his character a little bit uh, to give him a little more depth. But a lot of the critics really believe that it was enhanced, the movie. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And he is going to be, I guess, on the sequel because he's going to be their new... Like, dude in the chair. Yeah, he's the one that's going to actually help them hide, essentially, is what 
they wanted. Um, yeah. And then that brings us to Steve Merrick, uh, played by Harry Potter's Dudley. Yes. Poor dude is always going to be a villain. I feel so bad for him already. Yeah. <laughs> and he does such a great job at being awful. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. He is the big bad, um, at least in this one. Most places describe him as a big pharma bro. Uh, he does talk about how he's the youngest billionaire. Yeah. We do see that a lot. And the youngest executive or CEO. Um, and he's looking to harness, yes, immortality, which is seemingly in a lot of plots. He's mm-hmm. cruel and sadistic. And a lot of his experiments are carried out by Dr. Ivan or Dr. Meta Kozik. Yeah. And she's kind of a small character in the movie, mm-hmm. but she is pretty awful too. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's odd the juxtaposition of like young pharma bro who thinks, who doesn't care the consequences of his actions, but then you put him next to immortals who have seen like everything a thousand times. Um, and just makes them feel so young and like stupid. Right. Right. <laughs> Not ne- still dangerous. Absolutely. Right. But just. And the audacity that he has in his little last scene and calling her a selfish bitch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Right. Dudley Dursley. Oh, Dudley. Why? Uh, <laughs> so we do. That's the plot. That's the overview. <laughs> We do have some themes we want to discuss, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And I guess one of the big themes I picked up on was loneliness. Yeah. And... uh. Just this idea that I know a lot of us have have thought about, and it's been in our pop culture for a long time, of if you were immortal, which it seems so many people, at least in media, want, what would that actually mean? Right. Especially if your loved ones weren't. Um, Just the big question, like seeing people pass away and die, not being a part of that, unless you were all immortal together. Which, right. by the way, just sounds annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's just telling. I'm like, look, <laughs> I'm already tired of you. Forever? Forever, ever? Ever, ever? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it in that way. I'm just saying, what if you don't like each other? What happens? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like true. death becomes her. The two women, which I you haven't seen either, have you? No. <sighs> But they live forever, but of course they're decrepit and falling apart. If something's damaged, it stays damaged, all of these bad things. But they hate each other, but they're, mm. they're cursed to live together or be with each other forever. Mm-hmm. Is that really a great thing? Well, I guess that leads into my question. I was going to ask you, would you want to be immortal? No. No? I don't think, I, I think I, that would be the last superpower I would ever want. Yeah. Like, would I want to live a rich, fulfilling life? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like eventually, with all the highs and lows that we go through, would I want to see things repeated again and again and the mistakes? I don't know. I think I'd be on Andy's side of like, eh, is it really changing? Is it really worth it? Right. Yeah. I, 
And it's, it's funny because, as you know, one of my favorite movies is What We Do in the Shadows, um, which is a different type of immortality. Right. But the, the writers of that movie said, like, I feel like a lot of people like to believe if they were immortal, they would get so much done. But what if you just... <laughs> You just don't. Well, because that's kind of the whole thing with quarantine is the fact that we have to stay home and we've had to stay home. If I just didn't have these things that I would have to do or all these plans that I have to do, then I would be more productive. And then you're like, nope. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not. Well, yeah. You know, quarantine is an interesting metaphor for immortality (laughs) because it does feel like, well, in theory, I have all this time. But somehow it just bleeds into one almost like day slash night. Like just, it doesn't end. Right. Honestly, some of the times I'm just wait, waiting for bedtime. I'm like, is it, is it too early to go to bed now? Is it too early to go to bed now? I mean, I, I seriously do. And of course, that's a whole other conversation. But I'm still procrastinating, yeah. as you know. <laughs> I have nowhere well, to go, but I still procrastinate. That's what we need. We need the story of the old guard, which shows like them not being in battle and doing things. How did they spend their downtime? Well, according to them, they just all hid away for a year. They took a year break. Yeah. And then they come back. But you don't know what they did in that year break. Well. Well, we know what Booker did. Yes. He was plotting. He was plotting. You've got a plot. All the plots. Um, <laughs> Would you yeah. want to be immortal? Uh, n- no. Like, my knee-jerk answer is no, but I tried to think about it in terms of, well, if I had other abilities, like, is it just immortality? Or can I do other things? They couldn't. Mm, but they, they trained, really. They'd see... They're fighters. They might have procrastinated, but they they really put in some training so they could do so a lot. So they're fighters, stuff. but do you want to fight all the time? Would that be something you would want to do? Yeah, that's true. That would be exhausting. So maybe you and I wouldn't be the best immortals. <laughs> maybe that's why it's soldiers that usually become immortals. Maybe. And not because they also survive. Yeah. I do think it's been interesting. For me during quarantine, because I am such an extrovert, but I don't find myself getting lonely. And I, I think that's what a lot of people were worried about. You also it's, have a really great group. Like, that's one of the things that I think about with certain people who, who may have struggles in like, I don't completely... Well, you also make effort to have friendships, but like you also surround yourself with people who are going to check in on you and they know you really well and know mm-hmm. your weak spot. That's mm-hmm. actually really good because you're also very communicative of that as well. Yeah. Typically. So that's different. So you are a little different, I think, in this quarantine is that people have no A that if they need you, they can reach out to you. B, if they can't reach out to you, something's wrong and they need to <laughs> find out what's wrong. And C, you have a core. You continue with the friendships from the past. It's not like you have big blow-ups, it seems, as a lot of people can. Yeah, and I guess that's ultimately the key to, if I was going to be immortal, I would have to have my immortal group. Right. Not Um, by yourself. 
Yeah, I couldn't do it. Like, I could for a while, but eventually— I don't think you could hide away like that. They're not no. hideable. <laughs> no, no. I'm I'd hideable. go travel. You're yes. not hideable. <laughs> See, if we were if we were uh, immortal pals, then it'd be an interesting storyline for sure. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, another another theme is one I really want to come back and talk about is the anti heroine. Uh, and I feel like actually, Charlize Theron does such a good job of being the anti heroine between this and Atomic Bomb, and even with yeah. um, uh, Mad Max, she does a really great job with all of these. Yeah, and I, I would say she does it, at least in those cases, and maybe particularly since we're talking about this one today, she does it in a way that I feel is different because a lot of times the anti-heroine is so burned that they at least project that they could care less about what happens to other people and to the world. But hers it presents more like, she's burned because she can't do more and is worried that what she has done isn't enough. Like, she still cares. And she's not really even trying to hide that because I do think most anti-heroines do still care. Um, But she's not even trying to hide it. It's just that she feels like almost this loss of faith. Am I doing what I think I'm doing? I've been here for millennia. (laughs) I think she does what a lot of women do is they focus on the failures more so than success, which is why she couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And Copley could because he researched back on these are the things that happen. As for many women, uh, many who I think are on that spectrum of level of like, I've done this wrong and all I can focus is on the bad. Right. And as podcasters, we've learned, I've learned, I focus really hard on critiques over the compliments. And I think right. that's kind of a telling sign of the anti-heroine is not necessarily that she's so jaded that she's going to flip it all, lose it. It's just, I've not done enough and here are my failures to tell you why. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and that, I would be really curious to look at a comparison of the male anti-hero versus the female anti-heroine and just what is it? I think it's probably very similar, but it just presents differently. Right. I'd be curious to look at it. I mean, we need to look at John Wick versus Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Oh, I'd be into it. I'd be so into it. And they love each other. <laughs> Charlize and, and uh, or Keanu, they love each other. Do they? They do, actually. They really are like, they film several movies together and they actually are really good friends. That's I love great. this so much. I'm okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's so good. Okay, keep oh. going. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, another thing I was really interested in is just how well they did the immortality thing in terms of kind of your maturity level almost. Mm-hmm. But there is this big betrayal in the movie. and. At it's the end, predictable, but I huh? loved it. It's predictable, but I loved it. Yeah, I think I was spoiled on it because I started researching this before I watched oh. it. No, why? So that, why, that Annie? Was why? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I knew the whole time. I so I can't say about that, but yeah. So Booker betrays them, um, and at the end, they're arguing about what to do with them, what his punishment should be, and. It was kind of nice to see Andy be like, not angry necessarily, just, you know, 
this is your punishment. You have to accept it. I'll see you right. in a year. And if you have lived years. that long. A hundred years. A hundred years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, see? that's why he says, I won't see you, will I? Because she becomes, becomes mortal. Right. Right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, but just kind of seeing that play out was really fascinating to me. Right. Um, and that goes back to the question of immortality. How long is a hundred years, really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which was cool. It was cool that um, the, the writers clearly put thought into that. Uh, what would you be like if you'd lived that long? Oh, I would be so crusty. I'm already old and crusty now. I could not imagine a hundred years from now if I was still here. Mm-hmm. How old and crusty I would be. <laughs> yeah, and they all still looked pretty good. They're I'm, still putting some I'm talking in. about my soul. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Both. Okay. Right, right. Sure, sure, sure. Um, well, let's move on from that then. Uh, violence. This was another theme in there. And, and the way they handled it was interesting because comic book movies are pretty violent, although... A lot of our mainstream ones handle it in a way that feels sort of cartoonish. Mm-hmm. Like you never see dead bodies per se. It feels very like, oh, they're unconscious, not dead. Oh, you're not really sure. Um, and, and this one is much more violent and, oh, they're dead. And that is something that at least Andy and Niall really struggle with is, well, look at the carnage we're causing for good. Um, and this is something I struggle with in, in my writing all the time is when you have a good character who's really violent, who uses violence to accomplish these good things, how do you reconcile that? And, and I talked about this in when I did The Last of Us 2 review, Ludo Dissonance, how do you, how do you put that together? Um, and then on top of that, I wonder sometimes if here in the United States, we presented violence and murder as sort of the easy solution and that's where our minds go. Because I've, I've definitely played video games where they challenge you not to kill. And it's so much harder. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's strange that I feel like a lot of our media has, whether we know it or not, conditioned us to think the easy way is to kill someone. Right. And I know that's the debate with like youth and um, young adults and about whether or not they're so acclimated by media that mm-hmm. violence is a norm. And then outside of that, it's like, no, it's completely different. And you need to think on the loss of life and all of yeah. that. And what does that really mean in the end? And yeah, I think this is definitely one more. And I say that this is my comfort yeah. <laughs> list. And it's not in that sense of like, yeah, I'm not a fan of seeing gore and I'm not okay with it. But again, like, I think for me, it's like, okay, I can differentiate that this is a movie movie. Yeah. But they are a little more realistic when you see the injuries and the violence. Like, you don't see that as much when it comes to the opposition or the enemy, but you see that more so for them themselves who can yeah. heal, which says right. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I suppose there's, like, two arguments to be made there. And one is, we talked about this a little bit in our female revenge episode, but it's meant to be over the top. So you're not supposed to necessarily take it as a uh, stamp of approval of violence 
it's just sort of a fantasy getaway entertainment. <laughs> um, and then you could argue, like, is it better to show the real damage and make you feel that? Or I, w- I would say that's just a different movie. Right. Um, but the, yeah, I've heard people argue about that. And, and, and in the context of violence and, and American media, particularly. Um, and that, you can see that debate play out with Andy. Like you said, Samantha, one of her quotes is, some good means nothing, or the world isn't getting any better, it's getting worse. Um, talking about what they've done, or in her mind, not done, and then she's reminded at the end of, no, you saved all these people and caused all these things that were good to happen through your actions. Um, But I do think that's a real moral quandary. Right. And then you also have to remember that they do have the scene. Niles is from, um, she was stationed in Afghanistan. It opens up with her being in this volatile situation. And and, um, I was watching it with my partner who automatically was like, oh no, is this like a, a... feel good for military. And mm-hmm. you got to remember, you know, as much as we want to say, yes, the military does protect us, there's also a lot of like, where is the line <laughs> of romanticizing yeah. what is happening in the military and those that are stationed out of the country um, in defense of, we don't know what. <laughs> what are they actually defending? Is it, is it actually freedom or is it for yeah. other means? Yeah, yeah. And what does it glorify? But yeah, this is the whole big conversation because like you want to enjoy a movie, but at the same time, the realistic like yeah. background is like, oh, ooh. Mm. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> so my older brother is the best at ruining a movie for you. And I remember seeing Iron Man, I think it was 2008 that came out, 2009. I'm walking out and I'm like, oh, wow, that was really fun. He was like, yeah, it was fun, except it romanticized the violence in Iran. And he, like, goes off on this whole thing. And I was like, look, I didn't pick up on that at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just thought it was a fun action movie. And, but that's the thing. is, is, is He's not wrong. Yeah. What is it putting into our heads about what's happening and what's being defended and what's being okay and whether it's villainizing the Middle East and what's happening in the Middle East and not putting a whole picture as opposed mm-hmm. to glorifying our military or, you know, <laughs> it is a whole yeah. thing. Oh, absolutely. And we're big, uh, big proponents here of always being mindful of your media and the messages that it is imparting to right. you and children. Right. I will say children. they did quickly w- run away from that and were like, okay, this is just a means to a plot. Not going to linger here. Moving on. So <laughs> I will say it did that, yeah. but it's kind of like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And I did. I wanted to put it in here when uh, Andy, as we've alluded to, she potentially, it looks like, has lost her immortality. And it reminded me of the first time I played The Last of Us, the first one, because in a lot of video games like that, you can just kind of be shot like 20 times and not die. Right. So you can be very like, just run in, no plan. The Last of Us, I remember the first time I fought a zombie and I died in one hit like 20 times in a row. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so, so I really got to plan this better. <laughs> I got to do this a little better. Yeah, because she suddenly had to worry about, oh, I could die. I can't just take a hit right. and get back Shake up. Shake it off. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Um, 
And okay, so we do have a little bit more we want to talk about. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Thank you, sponsor. So another thing we wanted to talk about is queer representation um, because this did come up a lot when I was searching what were people talking about when it came to this, this movie. And one of them was the, the love between Joe and Nikki. And this has caught a lot of people's attention for a lot of reasons. Um, first, it's pretty rare to see gay men in action movies. Um, outside of, like, a very passing cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, and kissing and sharing affectionate touches. It's also rare to see gay men in mythical movies. And and some people, some articles I read, argued that this solidified that the LGBTQ plus community has been here forever. Um, and, and these characters and their relationship doesn't feel token at all. And they also feel, they both feel pretty fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um after they are captured and a guard mocks them, asking if uh, one of them is a boyfriend, uh, Joe says, you're a child. He's not my boyfriend. This man is more to me than you can dream. He's the moon when I'm lost in darkness and warmth when I shiver in cold. And his kiss still thrills me even after a millennium. His heart overflows with a kindness of which this world is not worthy. I love this man beyond measure and reason. He's not my boyfriend. He is all. He is more. And then they make out. It is such an amazing scene. Yeah. <laughs> it also yeah. kind of leads to another violent scene where they try to break them up and end up, they all die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They definitely, Joe in particular, did not take well to that. I, their um, relationship is such a really adorable and loving relationship. Even in the scene where they're on the train and they're just asleep cuddling and they just need to be with each other. It's just really, really nice. It's sweet. And it, it was it was refreshing to see. It's one of those things where when you see it, you're like, oh, why can't I see more of things like this? Right, because it wasn't over the top. There was no level of queer baiting. There was no level of um, making them a caricature of themselves. It was just who they were in their strength and then who they were in their love. Yeah. And they were funny, too. They were. They were funny together. They were so funny. Yeah, yeah. And and it's really resonated with a lot of people. I've seen a lot of articles about like, I love this movie, but the thing that stood out was uh, And that speech alone. It was a beautiful speech. Oh yeah. They made that speech all day. Yeah, just to remind you, this is like an action movie. Right. Uh with immortals. And they found each other in the crusades and have been together pretty much ever since. Right. So that is that is very rare. And it, it didn't feel it both it didn't feel out of place, but it did feel very new, if right. that makes sense. It felt it, shockingly real. Yeah. And that's not what you typically see. Yes. Yeah. Um, it definitely... I don't know. I was going to say it felt like the heart, like, like they, they were heart of the team. But I feel like they were multiple hearts of the team. They were definitely the hope of the team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and some people have uh, interpreted the relationship between Quinn and Andy as queer as well. Um, when they're, they're both captured, 
who knows way back when. Um, well, it was during and, the witch trials in England. Yeah, right? was it? it was, I don't know which witch trials. Yeah, I was trying to think. It's, it's in the it's in England, right? In Britain. I don't know. I believe, and it was during that point because they were being seen as witches. Yeah, and they got separated for being quote too powerful right. together. Right. And some people have seen that as queer representation. And, and um, Andy certainly spent a very long time looking for her. Although, again, this can go back into a conversation of can any relationship be platonic these days? Right. Um, but uh, I know that that's a big plot line in the sequel. So I guess we'll be seeing more of that. I need yes. a sequel. <laughs> Give it. Four years. I know, uh, right? But I do, I need that sequel. <laughs> well, you can read the comic book in the meantime. But I need Charlize as my sequel. You need, you need Charlize. I, I understand. Charlize. I'm just saying. So, yeah. So, I'm excited to see Quinn, who is played by a Vietnamese actress. And actually, that's one of the changes that they made from the comic to the movie. She was not originally Vietnamese, but because she is, her origins are Vietnamese, they changed her name and character in the movie to represent her, which I love. As it should be. <laughs> As it should be. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, and, and I'm glad that you suggested this one. Samantha, it was a fun It was a fun one. I was like, this is so fun. I'm just going to, let's, let's just do this one because it's got a great director. It's got great actors and it's going to be a really good plot line. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think this is our first Feminist Movie Friday where we're like on yeah. trend. <gasps> Look at us. Um, <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Well, speaking of, for the next one, please send us any suggestions. Um, I think Samantha's Pushing pretty hard for uh, I'm very annoyed. Own, but no, I'm not let me re- that I have no, not let me seen re- it. do that again, not annoyed. <laughs> I'm very appalled that you have not seen it. I cannot believe like Heather's, I kind of understand because that was a little before you, but definitely way before you. But a league of their own, I feel like should have been in your wheelhouse. 1992. Um 1992 is four. Okay, Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in either case, it should be rectified. But if you have any other suggestions, listeners, we would love to get them. Maybe we'll do another watch party soon. Um, yes, you can send those suggestions to our email, which is stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.